whiskey. Welcome to the Whiskey Underground. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the BSEA Whiskey Underground. We're here tonight in the secret speakeasy to relax and enjoy one of the finest man-made creations on Earth, whiskey. Brant. What's happening, Scott? How's it going? You only live twice, so we're going to do this one time. I'm, I'm in it. If you don't notice tonight, we are starting our James Bond uh, quarter. It's kind of a, uh, we decided to do a three-month lead-up to the brand new James Bond movie that's coming out, Bond number 25. Comes out April twentieth, two thousand twenty. It is rumored to be Daniel Craig's last film, and I say that because it's not definite. He also said he wanted to slit his wrist after the last one, so uh, <laughs> he's back. So he's back. Yeah, because you know what? Yeah. That that check. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that. that I can imagine that check is is I want to say, I want to say it's like thirty four million pounds. Uh. I want to say it's close to that or something in that neighborhood. It's ridiculous for 50 million pounds. It's a lot of money, but it is a very grueling process. I imagine. And I imagine he is what you imagine the amount of just gym time and diet. And I mean, Mm -hmm. that he has to go through just to get in shape. Cause I, I mean, you don't stay in bond shape year round in the off season. It's just like a football player, right? I mean, you you, you, you oh, know, yeah. you want to, but there's no way you're in you're in bond shape. You're not that disciplined. So just just no. what you got to go through to probably get ready for that role plus can in, you I mean, unless you could stay in bond shape if you're Roger Moore <laughs> cuz he wasn't in great shape. Right, yeah. Yeah. What is round is a shape. Well, he wasn't round. Yeah. I mean, he was he was fluffy. We'll call him fluffy. Yeah. But I mean, he was distinguished. You know, Daniel Craig comes out of the you know comes out of the pool in some of those those scenes, and even I can get a little a little steamy, <laughs> but a little hot yeah. under the collar. And I guess look, I mean, I don't doubt. I will it. say though, he's. I mean, I, I guess I I liked Pierce Brosnan because in my lifetime that was the first. But in, in my right. in my like fan stage, it's been Daniel Craig. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, like I mean. I love the old I love the old Sean Connerys, but for whatever reason, and maybe it's the grittiness, maybe it's the cinematography, maybe it's just it, Bond is, as Daniel Craig is almost like half monk, half hitman, as they say in uh, Casino Royale. It, it, he's not as uh, suave and sophisticated and debonair as you know Connery and Moore and Dalton and Lazenby, and and especially Brosnan. Brosnan Brosnan is definitely got it going on. He's fucking Remington Steel. Yeah. He he definitely was the sex symbol bond of the of the day, right? I mean, Pierce Brosnan's a pre- yeah. pretty oh, yeah. pretty boy. Yeah. Oh, he's but, pretty boy, yeah. He's great in Mrs. Doubtfire too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a drive by fruiting. <laughs> yeah. 
We're not here just to talk about some uh, James Bond. We are going to talk about it because uh, we're, we're leading up to James Bond. But we're going to drink some whiskey from the movies, from the books. And it's kind of a thing that we've been looking forward to doing. Uh, the first uh, series, we're going to start at the bottom because that's where you got to start out. You know, you haven't, you don't get your license to kill right away. you got to kill two people. So we're going to kill off a couple bottles here. The first one we're going to do, what do you want to do? The... Uh, I guess we should start with the one from the earlier movie, which would be Goldfinger. So let's start with the Jim Beam okay. repeal batch. Okay. So in in Goldfinger, Bond uh, has been uh, is tailing. By the way, spoiler alert! I'm not gonna. I can't even say spoiler alerts because the film is from 1964. <laughs> so if you haven't seen Goldfinger by now, uh, spoiler alert: Goldfinger dies. Damn. He gets sucked out of a plane. Um, so we're going to drink Jim Beamer pill batch because in that movie, he tails or Goldfinger who's uh, planning what's called Operation Grand Slam. Uh, I'll go ahead and pour this out as we do. And by the way, Jeeves is getting a hard on right now because we're talking about stuff that's British. And, well, as am I too, but you know. Um, so he tails Goldfinger to Kentucky where... Uh, he's got his own stud farm, his own racing horse farm in Kentucky because there's, you know, millions of these places or at least thousands of, of different uh, stud farms in Kentucky. And he's kind of a guest of Goldfingers. And during one of the scenes, they pour some uh, mint juleps. Now, Brand, have you ever had a mint julep? Uh, I have. Uh, They're really good. They're actually really refreshing on a hot day. Yeah, they, they are. And, I mean, obviously that's the big... Kentucky Derby yeah. drink of choice, but yeah, definitely, ref- definitely so, refreshing so during, cocktail. During the scene, uh, or or Goldfinger kind of asks, uh, you know, what do you, you know, what do you want to drink? Can I pleasure you with something? And uh, he says, well, I'll have what you're having. And he's like, well, two mint juleps. And uh, so they use Jim Beam uh, white label bourbon at the time, which you know, it's weird. You know, back in the day. The recipes have changed over the years. Back in the day, this was usually around 40 to, or 43 to 45% alcohol by volume. Now, I think Jim Beam White is, what, 40%, just the bare minimum? I would bet, yeah, it's 80 proof, yep. Yeah. So, we found the Jim Beam Repeal Batch, which is a no-chill filtered and 43% alcohol by volume, which is probably closer to what it was... That's, in the 50s and 60s. I'm, I'm trying to find that, and, you know, shame on us, because I could have did this research just a few minutes ago and <laughs> had it figured out before uh, before then. But So, wait, so no when, when did Goldfinger come out? 64, I think. Goldfinger was 1964. 64. I'm trying to see if I can just find a timeline to tell me what, what it was back then, but there's not really uh, it, a great yeah. timeline. There's not really much... No, because, I mean, this is the time when bourbon is really becoming popular again, thanks to, you know, we talked about it when we did the Frank Sinatra, uh, Jack Daniels stuff. In the 60s, bourbon's really becoming a thing again. Uh, it it kind of went away in the in the 50s for gin. Uh, gin and vodka became real popular in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And bourbon had kind of started to come back into uh, into the spotlight. Uh, you know, we also talked about it with Glenfiddich. Glenfiddich, con- you know, quote unquote, conquers the world with their first single malt Scotch whiskey in 1963, bringing Scotch whiskey really to the forefront, at least single malt. So, what's crazy about that uh, is that 
So you said it was 64 that Goldfinger came out? Yeah. So Scotch comes to America in the single malt form in 63 with Glenn, mm-hmm. with Glenn Fiddick. This comes out in 1964. Congress declares bourbon as America's native spirit. One year after yeah. the first. I wonder if that's as a response to the first single. Scotch kind of being introduced. Being introduced. Maybe. And saying, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is bourbon. This is bourbon country. Yeah, by the way, we're, we're bourbon here. Yeah. Um, but uh, also interesting that this movie in 64 has bourbon, a British-English movie, you know, character, yeah. character, has bourbon at, in the forefront uh, in that year than, uh, than scotch or anything, anything else. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to think. I, I'm sure there's other drinks in there other than the vodka martini he drinks at the, at the start of the film. Uh, there's definitely champagne. Uh, Bond, if if nothing else, Bond loves champagne. It's probably the most drank, or most drunk thing that he drinks during the uh, during the course of the books and movies. Um, so yeah, so Goldfinger makes him a uh, makes him a mint julep. Now, if you don't know the recipe for mint juleps, it's really simple: mint leaves, tall Collins glass, add in some about a half ounce of simple syrup, muddle that up at the bottom. Don't. If, this is the big trip, the big trick here. Don't over muddle leaves until they're really, really shredded, because once yeah, you they, do that, they release like a bitter flavor yeah, so they and bru- it's horrible. They bruise. They do. And bitter, yeah. Literally, as you as you muddle them, smell the glass, and as soon as you can smell the mint, done. Finish. Put it down. Don't over muddle. Then you fill it up with some uh, cracked ice, and that's the that's the key here. Do it with crushed ice, not like cubed ice. Because that's just the way they do it. That's in just because yeah. It's just because somebody said do it. And then, and then fill the rest with Kentucky bourbon, or in this case, some Jim Beam repeal batch. Yep. So, uh, Goldfinger, arguably the greatest Bond film of all time. I, I think it's if it's not number one for most Bond aficionados, it's like one A, one B. So I'll tell you, this is one that I have to go and and check out because it's not not one that I can what? not one that I can remember um 100% like you could you couldn't right. quiz me on this I've seen it I'm, I imagine I've seen it in passing but you couldn't quiz me on this uh for sure yeah this is one that's it, that it, you know I have the entire set from 1 to 24 right now and as soon as number 25 comes out on DVD, I will certainly get it. It's just something I do make sure I have them all on DVD so they're forever enshrined in my, uh, in my library. Uh, this is one I'll just put on for, for no reason whatsoever other than just to watch a Bond film. It's, I, I think it's Connery at his best. It's honestly, for me, Connery's best film. So um, I think right before we hit record, we were talking about the ad. So there's a, there's a Sean Connery ad. Yeah. And I think yeah. it was a little after this. The, the movie, though. Yeah, so uh, Jim Beam partners, officially partners with Sean Connery, not James Bond, but Sean Connery in 1966. Uh, so that's right after, uh, right, just after Goldfinger, I think right after um, Diamonds Are Forever. I think that's what, what comes next for him. Um, oh, wait, no, no, no. That's right, he takes a break. He takes a break from. Oh wait, no, 
Nope, I got my I got my time wrong. So yeah, this comes out right after You Only Live Twice, uh, which was his final Bond film before he he had, takes a little hiatus and basically tells uh, Eon Productions, uh, "Go screw yourself. I'm James Bond. You can't find someone to play replace me." Last minute, they pull up George Lazenby, who uh, uh, does a fine job. I think George Lazenby gets a bad rap because he has to follow Sean Connery, who's the first Bond. And then he's replaced by Bond right after that. So from 1966 to 1974, Bond shills, or I should say Connery shills, uh, some Jim Beam white label. And it's, it's clearly Sean Connery pretending to be James Bond in these ads and drinking his Jim Beam white label. You know, they, they have words like, the taste is distinctive, the man is Sean Connery, the bourbon is Jim yeah. Beam. Right. And it's 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 a, it's a cool series of ads. It's it, it, it yeah, really is ad, a nice set of ads. Yeah. I mean, it looks. I mean, so much so so much so that they even got uh, James Bond's toupee. Yes, Sean Connery wore a toupee for the James Bond films. I did not know that. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was a wig. <laughs> he was mostly bald. By that age. I mean, I don't know how old he was uh, yeah. in '66, but yeah. So the first, 64. the first couple, he's he was fine, then then he starts losing his hair, and so they they put a wig on him. That's hilarious. But yeah, um, all right. So let's let's dig into some notes on this thing. Yep. Uh, now this isn't expensive. This is really so this was a, like a, a cheap fourteen dollar bottle of yeah of whiskey. Not I mean I think at most you'll pay you'll pay under twenty bucks for this bottle. Yeah. So the the scoop on the the whiskey. Obviously, we couldn't get exactly what was available in the 60s but this particular mm-hmm. one just being being unique uh, it is a limited time release it is um, a nod to how the bourbon would have been made uh, at Jim Beam's first distillery post prohibition so um, so back in the 20s yes so or actually, was it 1933? Yeah, 33. Yeah, 33. So what's crazy is, and if you've seen these commercials, these commercials are all over TV now, these the Jim Beam commercials. Oh, yeah. Commercials. Um, but most people are, while most people are priding themselves on being open through Prohibition, uh, Jim Beam has found a way to um, advertise and make... I don't know, a positive of not being open and saying the first glass raised after Prohibition. Jim Beam, one of the first glass of whiskey raised after Prohibition to be one of his own. So 120 days after Prohibition, um, they built the first distillery and begin making Jim Beam post-Prohibition, which is, is a great story, but it essentially just means that they closed during Prohibition and started... Started, started from, from scratch, scratch really. yeah. Started from scratch. New I mean, distillery, new warehousing, yeah. new, you know, new everything. It wasn't even like, it wasn't even like, let's shut the doors, hopefully this passes and we just get through it. This was, yeah, we tore everything down. For 13, because, 13 I mean, they were out of business yeah. for 13 years. So Yeah. So we, we're shutting down, we're not even going to keep anything up and running. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. And, yep. you know, uh, Prohibition gets repealed, and 
they start from scratch. They build new warehouses, new distilleries. It's a, it's a pretty cool story, actually. So this is basically and a nod, yeah, to that first batch that came yeah. out post post prohibition. So it's it's a good nose. I like the nose on this one. You know what I smell right off the bat? Maybe it's because we're doing movies, but buttered popcorn. Yeah. I smell like a buttery popcorn, and uh, obviously vanilla. Vanilla is right on the freaking front of the nose. We got a little bacon, little baking spice, but definitely vanilla and mm -hmm. butter. Kind of, yeah. I wonder if that popcorn is just part of the sweet corn. The yeah. Sweet, the sweet corn. Yeah. It, it's got to be like that sweet corn, but I think because it's no chill filtered, you get the oils, and that creates kind of that buttery note. Um, yep. We've had it on some other on some other whiskeys. A lot more Scotch whiskey than bourbon. It's a nice nose. It's pretty. It's, it's pretty. It's a good amount of oak to it. Yeah, and it's pretty. It's light in general, though. It's not like pungent, but it's, it's yeah, clean. It's, not, it's clean. I mean, dude. Once again, it's not overly aggressive. It could be the cheapest thing we've drank in the Speakeasy. Oh, I think it might be. I think it might be our cheapest whiskey in the Speakeasy because we haven't gotten to the Old Granddad yet. Although I think Old Granddad's more than this. I'm pretty sure I paid like 15 bucks, 14 bucks for this fifth. Old Granddad's another Bond whiskey from the books, though. He drinks that in Live and Let Die. Yeah, I mean, dude, you're right. You're dead on with, like, sweet corn, vanilla. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I, can get the, I can get the baking spices as you dig into it a little bit more. A little bit of, like, toffee, like a caramel, but not a lot. Yeah, no. I think it's, it's, it's overpowered by sweet corn, vanilla. It, it, it's a little tiny bit of oak, charred oak, <coughs> but it's it's nice and it's nice and sweet with a little bit of savory dropped in there. Yep. All right, I'm gonna taste this while I write down my notes. So, okay, it's kind of. Dry and oaky, and yeah, heavy char on the front. The the palate is charred, charred oak, giving way to vanilla sweetness. The mouthfeel is deaf. You're right; it's bold. It is pretty drying and kind of spiced. Yeah. But ridiculously complex for an $18 bottle of whiskey. Fifteen's cheaper than that. Yeah, I mean. Or $15. Wow. Pretty good. Tried. Yeah. He definitely is light. And. The more you drink it, so second drink here, vanilla is heavier. It is much, much sweeter than the first drink. That uh, spice char kind of goes away. Now you're getting like the vanilla, the butterscotch, the um, the a little bit of that char. Good sweetness here. I, I, mean, I actually really like this one quite a bit. It's kind of candy. 
not like candied um, cherries like we've had in the past, but it's like a nice sweet flavor. I mean, it's definitely an easy drinker. And the finish, the finish is light and sweet. One thing I will tell you is I, I don't get a, a lot of oiliness being a non-chill filtered. I'm not, not no, getting it's, a lot it's of really oil. not it's a lot of oiliness in it. And this, I mean, this is probably a it's probably a young bourbon. I mean, it's, obviously it's at least four years old because it doesn't have an age statement on the bottle. Yeah, so it's got to be a minimum of four years. But because under four, they have to tell yeah. you what, how many years it's been in the barrel. But I wouldn't imagine. I wouldn't imagine it's more than that. It's kind of crazy. It says on the bottle. Because it's non-chill filtered, it may appear cloudy or contain sediment at the bottom, just like it did back in the 30s. Right. So, again, I don't, you know, I don't know if we've talked about non-chill filtering. Oh, we've talked a little bit about it. It's basically they, they bring this down to uh, freezing point, zero degrees of water, and then they uh, essentially skim off or use a uh, like a cheesecloth to filter out oils. And what that does is when you're making whiskey cocktails with uh, whiskey's under 45%, the uh, the oils will get cloudy. Or the, uh, yeah, the oils will get cloudy as add water, so it gives off like a, a dusty appearance to the whiskey. Now, ordinarily, that's not, that's not a problem in, you know, 45% and up. Most bourbons, because most bourbons are usually higher than 45%, it does present a problem in scotch, in scotch cocktails. You don't want to make a Manhattan and your Manhattan be cloudy. It needs to be that clear color. Or that, uh, I should say, transparent color through mm-hmm. that you can see all the way through it. So what they do is, in order to combat that, they chill filter, and I'm I'm glad they don't because you could have you could have chill filtered this at 43%, and you probably normally should if you're ten if you want this to be a cocktail whiskey like a mint julep whiskey, but guess what? It tastes pretty damn good. I mean, and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, surprising, surprising little solid tasting uh, bourbon from, I mean, one of the granddaddies of, of Kentucky bourbon, right? I mean, oh, yeah. And now they're, they're probably one of the largest in their... Suntory. So I wonder, I'm wondering if they had a new DSP number or, or whatever it's called. Um, it should be on the bottle somewhere. Uh, the You mean distillery the distillery number? Like, number? Yeah. Post-prohibition, I wonder if they had to get a new one. Because it's got established in 1795 on the bottle. Right. But that uh, that's not... That literally just means when the when the name is established. Yeah, it doesn't, so, it doesn't say I'm it sure on here, but stayed, it's got to be. I'm sure they stayed registered as a company. And then... But didn't apply for one of the medicinal grants like... Yeah, uh, Old Forester. Yeah. Old Forester, yeah. But I mean... What is their, their damn, uh... It's usually... I thought it had to be on the bottle, but apparently it doesn't have to be on the bottle. Um, interesting. Just to see... I, I don't you know if they're one of the oldest... I mean, 33 is probably not... I mean, if, if it got registered in 33 again, it's probably not an old one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, compared to the craft distilleries that are going around now. Um, finish on this one, what do you think? 
Um, I mean, I, the, the finish is light and sweet. I mean, definitely yeah. kind of... This is another one we talk about sometimes where the nose... You know, what you get on the nose stays true throughout the entire drink. And this one's pretty close. I mean, how it smells is pretty much how it relates through the entire drinking and finish finished process. That sweet corn is up front and it's fairly light and smooth, you know? Yeah. Uh, the finish to me is, is slightly spiced with some cinnamon and rye flavors because I'm sure this has a pretty decent amount of rye in this. But it, it's really not aggressive. It's not overly spicy. It's not pungent. Uh, it, does, it does go quick. I think if this could last a little bit longer... I would like it just a little bit more. Uh, the finish definitely goes away off your palate pretty quickly, and you're ready for the next dram, which could be a problem because I really, really love the the palate profile on this one. The, the sweetness mixed with a little bit of that charred oak, uh, some you know black pepper, some baking spices, and um, butterscotch. It's really good. So overall, a really, really good release at a solid sub-20 price point. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, that's that, I mean, that's something easy, that can go on the home bar. And look, this is an easy, neat drinker. If you want to, like, you know, if, oh, if yeah. you haven't dabbled in drinking whiskey neat, I mean, this is one that you definitely, if you see this white label beam or peel batch, non-chill filtered, I mean, you could drink this neat all day long. There's, I mean, there's hardly no burn on this, Scott. Just super easy. No. No, there's, there's really no burn whatsoever, actually. Like, you think about sub-$20 bottle of whiskey... Um, I'm trying to think of some that are under that. Yeah. Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond. Pretty harsh. Man, I mean, maybe every once in a while you'll find Buffalo Trace at 20 bucks. Maybe. Maybe what? Yeah, wild, for the most part, that's like turkey, 26 maybe, now. Or wild turkey, early, you probably get under, under 20. Early times. Early times, old, yeah, definitely early times. Old Forrester, 86, maybe the original, you know, just a plain Jane mm-hmm. Old Forrester. And I want to say Granddad it right now is like 25, 24. Yeah. This is like I said <laughs> this is a this is a bottom a bottom shelfer that's definitely worth worth grabbing and checking out. Pretty pretty surprising. But I mean, I say surprising, but at the end of the day, it's fucking Jim Beam. I mean, they haven't been around this long for putting out right. putting out shit, right? I mean, it may not be yeah. your favorite, no, I mean, but it's it's gonna be solid and consistent um, for being around yeah. that long. So real quick too, so, I did look up their DSP uh, is Kentucky two thirty. So okay, I would assume okay. That's so they definitely registered, re-registered. Definitely re-registered because I mean, there's yeah, I, I couldn't tell you how many. I mean, Woodford Reserves fifty two, Buffalo Trace is one thirteen. Um, but okay, so actually crazy. Maker's Mark has 44 and 440. I don't know how that happened, but Maker's Mark's probably really 440. Hmm. I don't know how they got the 44 thing. But Maker's Mark is Jim Beam. Um, huh, interesting. Old Granddad's 14. So, yeah. earliest one, I mean, is, is Heaven Hill is, is the first, apparently. So Yeah. Interesting. So anyway. look, as we as we finish this up, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little water in mine just to see what it does, um, 
take one last drink of it neat because honestly i would drink this neat maybe like over a cube but i would drink this neat all day yeah it's pretty damn good all right uh definitely gets a little cloudy you could definitely see the um the kind of cloudiness get into it especially as you swirl it around you see the oil separate, which is a good sign that they're there. And that's going to bring some out, some of the flavors out. Uh, you know what? Doesn't do much to the nose. It's very similar. But solid. Uh, so, Brent, of the sub-20 bottles, you know, things like Four Roses, Yellow Label, Evan Williams, Black Label, uh, Fighting Cock, yeah. Rebel Yell, Old Forester 86, Old Granddad, uh, Old Overholt, Overholt. Uh, what do you think? What would you go with? Old Crow, too. We don't forget Old Crow. Right? I mean, I tried to. I'll tell it. you, I haven't had a lot of those just because they don't, they don't, they don't appeal to me on the on the shelf, right? I mean, when I, when I go into mm -hmm. a liquor store, I'm not typically looking for for that. I have plenty of drinkers. Um, you know, hanging around. So I'm not really looking for that economy value drinker. So I can't really, I can't really say how it compares to a lot of those bottles. I mean, I love Old Forester 86 as just a, an everyday drinker, and if if that's what yeah. if that's what they've got, it's great. But I will say the biggest thing to me about this one that caught my eye was obviously non-chill filtered. It's I mean the, the the label's white. It's got a big red badge on it, almost like a freaking name patch you'd put on your shirt. Like it's a big square block name patch, and it's—I mean, it's—it was easy to see the the non-chill filter just kind of gleaming at you um, right there on the front of it, and that's kind of what did it for me was being non-chill filtered. Um, that stuck out for that price for a non-chill filtered. And I, I mean, I've said it before. I think if I see non-chill filtered, I'm buying it. I don't give a shit what it is, just because I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of port finish and non-chill yeah. chill filter. I agree. I agree. I, look, there is. You're right. There isn't much uh, sub twenty whiskey that I do like. Uh, Old Granddad's not bad. It's a good everyday drinker. Rebel Yell is a weeded one that is really, really good for sub twenty. If you can't find Weller uh, Special Reserve, Rebel Yell is a solid replacement for it. At a much lower cost. Um, for me, this one, uh, even after the water, still good. Brings a little more of the char out. Brings a little more of the rye spice out, which is what adding water is supposed to do. It's supposed to release some of the more uh, pungent flavors. I'd say this one gets an 84 for me. So pretty high praise for a sub $20 bottle of whiskey. I mean, you can get some bad bottles for under 20 bucks. Mm. Some real bad mm -hmm. ones. Like regular Jameson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not, not to sidetrack, but yeah, regular Jameson. And then if you, to me, if you taste what they do with the Stacastmates by putting it in the, the stout mm. barrel finish, it is like exponentially amazing oh, compared to, re way to regular, way regular Jameson. But anyway... Um, yeah, for for this one, Scott, I went a little higher. I went 80, 86. I, yeah, I mean, I was gonna I, go, I was gonna go eighty five, and I was like, you know what, I I don't love this one, but I really like it. And I wanted to give it at least a B. I 
I uh, I mean, I don't, I don't love it, but man, for the the keeping the price, it deserves a solid B. Well, here's the thing: there's so many other companies that do limited editions with a small tweak, and the price is outrageous. And and to be quite honest, I mean, when you look at Woodford Reserve and Old Forester being essentially the same mash build, so I mean, let's be honest, probably coming out of the same. Well, I take that back. Woodford comes out of those old copper pot stills, so that's that's yeah. one thing that's a slower batch and makes that expensive. But Old Forester, that same juice that's probably going in that 1910 is the same stuff that's going in mm-hmm. the 1980, you know, the 86, 86. It's just age, yeah. age somewhere different and warehouse different and tweak here, tweak there. But for Jim Beam to take basically essentially... Take, take white label. Take white label, put it out at a higher proof and non-chill filter it. But keep the price point. Um, fuck, I mean, at, right, right at what yeah, White right Lake, about the same. Yeah, about the same. To me, that's that's awesome that they would do that on a limited edition and keep it the price point. I mean, they could have easily with this with this label, non chill filtered. I mean, you know, this could have this could have been a, a twenty five dollar bottle easy. I definitely think this is a a solid barkeep that you gotta have or you gotta have at least this in the bottle or a bottle of this on the on the back wall it, it's really good and again like you said limited edition price point's great non-chill filtered little higher proof than the regular stuff I'll buy a bottle of it yeah and then when you think about it Scott raising the proof I mean raising the proof is less product right I mean the, when you proof yeah, when you proof when you proof it down I mean you're so you're losing that that few percent of, of product by not proofing this down, and they're still keeping the price where it is. I mean, hats off. I think, like I said, I think it's a it's a win. Um, I don't know if this would become a, a everyday staple for them, but I mean, man, this this fits into something unique and different. Um, I think it's different enough than a white label, being non-chill filtered, higher proof, that it could be a you know prohibition batch. I mean, other companies have something that's just a little bit different and it's a second skew or second you know a, yeah. a line extension so yeah all in all very good whiskey mm-hmm. uh, kudos to uh, to Sean Connery for picking a good one yeah yeah alright um, setting that aside we're gonna dip into our next whiskey our next scotch then you know it has to be scotch because James Bond well te- technically he's Scottish he comes from Scotland um, so the next one we're going to do is uh, a whiskey from probably my favorite James Bond film, and that's Skyfall. So if you've ever watched Skyfall, I think it's I think it's hands down the best of all time. It's got a great theme song by Adele. It, it's got Daniel Craig. He dies in the film and then comes back. And it's also got Ray Fiennes. It's got uh, Javier Bardem, which I'm not a huge fan of. Now, you've seen Skyfall a lot, right? I have seen Skyfall, yes. I'm not a huge fan of Javier Bardem's character in this film. I think it's a little over, tr- overreaching. Mm. I think he's creepy. Creepy as I just think he's a little bit overreaching. Yeah, he's very creepy. Dude, the- but it's got some of my favorite scenes. Okay. It's got some of my favorite moments. What's, what is your favorite scene in this, this movie? Um, let's see. It's it's got to be a toss up between uh, the battle at Skyfall. Actually, uh, there's so many. The battle at Skyfall, the um, 
the shaving scene with uh, Naomi Harris. I, by the way, I, I have a huge crush on Naomi Harris. Um, but I think my favorite, like, quick Bond moment is on his way to Macau when he's on the boat and he's in the tuxedo and he's sailing towards the floating casino. It's just so classic James Bond. Yeah. It's great. But, you know, starting with the opening scene, the chase through the Grand Bazaar in Turkey uh, to the, you know, him getting shot and then uh, essentially enjoying death in a nowhere town in Europe somewhere, in Turkey somewhere, which we presume it's either Turkey or the Caribbean. It's got to be on an ocean. So I think it's on the Mediterranean. Because you see in the scene, <coughs> this is where we get to the whiskey, he's at a bar, he's challenging some guy to a drinking contest, a la um, Raiders uh, of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And he basically stays up all night drinking because he's basically lost his way. He's, you know, he's kind of been forgotten. And what does Bond reach for? He reaches for the Macallan 10 Fine Oak. Now, you can see it in the film. You can tell it's McAllen's the the classic or the new shape bottle that they have this like long slender bottle uh, with the with the different color coded labels for McAllen Fine Oak. Now we've drank this on one of our fine and rare series because it is discontinued, but it's a great bottle and we wanted to come back to it because James Bond drinks it. So so if you want to go back and listen to all about the McAllen 10, uh, 10 Fine Oak, we won't get into the finer details of it here because we've done that. Um, We'll go ahead and pour it out. So, but I was going to tell you my favorite scene is okay. Yeah, is sorry. The, go is the the glass where he shoots the glass off um, the marksmanship yeah. scene, <laughs> and that's where I think they yes. have the the badass bottle of McAllen is is there, which yeah. I think we get into later. But um, that that yeah, we'll scene, talk about we'll talk about that that specific scene. But a just talking about because that's going to tie into that's it. my favorite. That is my favorite. Scene. Yeah. That could be one of my favorite Bond scenes. That one in Skyfall, and it also I like the. Uh, we're well, so I just love his, I love his reaction when when you know he drew, first of all he the, you know what fuck it we'll talk about it now. Um, what's his, what's the character's name? I forget the character's name. Silva. Silva, that's right. Silva pours out two, essentially shots of Macallan 1962, 50 year old whiskey that they found they found and bought for the show or for the movie, because it was the 50th anniversary of James Bond. This is real 1962 Macallan whiskey they're drinking on the set. Bond drinks his because, well, fuck it, I'm not wasting 50 year old whiskey. He then Silva then takes his and puts his on uh, Severine's. Uh, head and the contest is to shoot the glass of whiskey off the top of her head you know William Tell style Bond Hold on, obviously with, with beat, like revolutionary oh yeah yeah with like, pistols pe- like old, old like almost flint locks fl- yeah like balling like musket you know yeah. freaking pistols yeah not a, not a <laughs> oh, rifled barrel you know and and they're and they're freaking gorgeous oh, by the way. those pistols are absolutely gorgeous I imagine those pistols are probably worth as much as the bottle of fucking McCallan oh easily Easily. Yeah. Those were definitely antiques. So, Bond takes his, and he's obviously shooken up from the injury that he received in the very first scene of the film. He can't shoot straight. He misses. Silva, in his cold-blooded nature, because the guy is just a cold-blooded killer, shoots the beautiful girl 
and knocks the glass of whiskey on the floor and turns to Bond, you know, without blinking an eye and says, now what do you say to that? And he just sighs and says, that's a waste of good scotch. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a classic Bond line. Yeah. <laughs> and then he beats up everyone and uh, captures Silva. Right. Great, great scene. You're right. So that one, but then wonderful scene. But then also, probably my second favorite because I think it creeps me out to this day is when he's in captivity and sees him again and like reveals to her his face. It's like, oh yeah, all like destroyed. Takes his he, jaw out. He uses yeah, takes his jaw because he, he he was captured in Hong Kong and they tortured takes a cyanide pill. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's tortured. right. Yeah, no, he and took his a cyanide yeah, pill yeah, yeah, and yeah. it doesn't kill him. Yeah. Oh yeah, great. Took great, a sign out. Makeup, awesome makeup effect yes. there when they like when they pull out the jaw. And it's it's creepy as fuck and really yes. cool, really. Cool. I, like I said, it still like creeps me out to this day. Like when I when I watch it, I'm like, oh my god, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, so this whiskey we're drinking, it's Macallan um, Ten Fine Oak. It's in the scene when he's on the the beachside bar and he learns of the attack on London uh, on the, the MI6 building. Uh, which is right next to the Lambeth Bridge, right right on the Thames. Beautiful building, by the way. Um, this one, honestly, is one of my favorite Macallans of all time. Yeah. And it's kind of sad they get rid of it. Now, I know the Macallan Double Cask Gold is supposed to mimic the flavor, because this is, this is really three different types of cask in here. It's a little bit of sherry, a little bit of American oak, and a little bit of European oak. And they combine for a really light whiskey. It, there's no joke. It's it's pale straw, mm-hmm. you know, uh, dry grass with good notes of honey and fruit and heather. And, like, this is a nice, fruity, soft, malty whiskey. Like, great malt notes on this one. Love, love the nose. Nice hint of fruit. Nice batch of honey and uh, heathered malt beautiful no i mean this one on the the nose for sure i mean it's obviously got that classic malted barley which you expect to to smell right um on the nose it's there but it's definitely complex like you said it kind of has that has honey and fruit and a grain um i mean i love this one this one is this one is uh very pleasing. It's not, it's not a, it's not floral perfumey, but it is like, I don't know. It has like a, it has that kind of spring field, like a, the, I don't know. It has yes. a kind of, it's like a, you know, it's like a f- open field. It's, it's very yeah, like an open field in spring. There's some like rain going on. You get yes. a nice earthy note. Yes, it's got nice it's, balance. Yes, it's, it's got a, earth. It's got it's a grain. Great it's got flavor. it's got kind of honey. It's got almost honeysuckle. Yes, honeysuckle. Because it kind of has a little, maybe a little floral, a little floral, but it's not to me. It's not like where it's like stinging the nostrils or like. Yeah, it, it, and I love the fruit, apples and pears, um, right on the nose. Great malted barley, great honey vanilla. All right, let's taste this. Mm. Man, that is such a flavorful glass of whiskey. It's the perfect amount of like, because you can taste the wood. Good wood notes, great malt, great fruit, great vanilla, honey, beautiful. It's a very fine, 
fine bottle of whiskey. Which I mean, they call a fine elk. And for a whiskey that was once the cheapest, this is the entry level Macallan for how long? It was, yes. Oh, for uh, I mean, 20, time. 30 years. Yeah. I mean, this was the this was their lowest uh, age statement whiskey before they started doing the no age statement stuff. It was their entry proof. It was forty, you know, their entry level. It was forty proof. Uh, back in the day when when they started doing this, it was like twenty something a bottle. You know, that's back in the in the seventies, maybe eighties. Um, and then it got to I think at its high point is right now it's still fifty dollars. At, at most, if you can find it, find it. it should be about fifty to fifty-five dollars. It's no longer made, right? So this is one. If you're, it's no longer produced. If you, if you're you right. like this and you see it, scoop it up because yeah, it's no, no longer produced. Yeah, I, I found a couple bottles recently. I bought three. Yeah, of them. I say, I, remember, I think you bought you bought them all. I did, I did. I bought them all because I have uh, two unopened. Yeah, two unopened, and one that's like half full back at home. That may be one to uh, to always keep sealed oh, sealed in case. One. Yeah. In ca- yeah. case something crazy happens and the mm-hmm. markets, the apocalypse yeah, happens, market skyrockets can, can, for it. Yeah. 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 Finish my life out with a with a good bottle of Macallan Ten. Yeah. Um, uh, so I can see why Bond enjoys this while enjoying death because I could drink this a lot. And that's such a great scene too. You know, he's off in the remote. Uh, wherever he is, off the grid, still finds a way to get a beautiful girl. Of course. Mm-hmm. And that the, the honey. Notes, I've taken notes on this. Too, I was say the honey does still kind of stick through on that. Yeah. And then the finish. I mean, Scott, finish is short for me, but it's pretty consistent. And it's, it is it's clean, man. It, just something. I mean. You're right. It, it, it is a short finish. There's there's nothing lingering, like super lingering about it. The the fish li- the finish lingers just as long as it needs to, with a little bit of oak, that fresh fruit, and then it's clean and off your palate. It's and you're ready for the next Man, one. Man, it's <laughs> I, I don't would say good or bad, but it's, to me it's almost as clean as a drink of water on the finish. Like it is like <laughs> yeah. it literally just comes off your tongue. It's smooth. It's yeah, you're right. It is. It is. It is un- like undeniably smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very good. So, uh, of the you know of the Bond or the Daniel Craig Bond films, what's your favorite of the of the four now, right now that are out there now? So, um. Casino Royale, so it's Casino, Casino Royale, Royale, Quantum of Solace, Solace Skyfall, Skyfall, and Spectre. And Spectre. Um, I mean, Casino Royale because it's the one that I've seen the most. It's pounded in once again, like you know, Casino Royale, Quantum Solace. I've seen, and then I've probably seen Skyfall and Spectre like maybe once. Maybe seen Skyfall a couple of times. But I've seen Casino Royale a bunch because I absolutely just I love the movie. I love, I love that film. I love those scenes. I love. I can't remember the, the the black guy. That's the the other. That's the CIA agent. That, oh, Felix Leiter. Yeah. You know, 
you know what? We I, I don't know if we've drank this yet, but we need to drink it on on one of the shows. Felix Leiter, uh, Jeff. He's Lee. also in Quantum Solace, though. Yeah, he's too. in all he's in all the Bond films. He's he's, he's the okay. new Felix Leiter. Um, um, I think it's Jeffrey Wright. That sounds right. Yeah, he's a, he was in Westworld. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright. He was the main, the main uh, guy in Westworld. Main he character. He actually brought to light um, the Uncle Nearest whiskey. Really? Uh, from Jack Daniels, like as a part of Jack Daniels. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright's the uh, the co-founder of that distillery that helped tell the story, helped bring that whiskey back to the forefront. We'll have to drink that because I'll tell you what, that is a fine, fine glass of bourbon. I don't know if I've ever, ha- I've ever had it. To be honest with you, we sell it. I don't know if I've ever had it. Oh, you, you got to get it. You yeah. got to get it. It's really good. Um, the 1856, amazing. So, uh, Casino Royale, and it's really, I love, obviously the casino scene, you know, which is a b- mm-hmm. big part of the movie, but the casino scene, is awesome, but the after the casino when they when they leave and he's in that Aston Martin and the I can't remember whatever the girl's name of the the movie is is in the road and he swerves Vesper? to miss her Vesper yes I'm, yeah duh <laughs> and uh, he swerves to miss to uh, miss her to m- miss her yeah and that that wreck just is I don't know for some reason I love that it's scene. brutal I've never seen it yeah. I remember seeing it in the theater and just, yeah, falling in love at that at that point. Yeah, duh, Vesper. And I remember that that great scene when he orders the martini, right, which we'll get into later on, and, and everybody's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have one of those, I'll have one of those, I'll have one of those. Yeah, every, literally everyone at the table is like, I'll have one of those. That, and then sounds, that sounds like, great. Can we play some fucking poker? Yeah. Can we, can we stop with the bar orders? Let's play some fucking poker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great scene. Okay, of the, uh, I do so love, of those, I do love who's the best? Who's the best villain in the Daniel Craig series? Oh, you know what? It's got to be for me. It's got to be um, Franz Oberhauser from Spectre, uh, who plays Ern- the, the 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 new Ernst Stamfro Blofeld. Because first of all, Christoph Waltz is an amazing, amazing actor. And the way throughout the film, he basically says, while I've only shown up on screen right now, I have been tormenting you for the past three films. I have owned your soul. I have crushed everything that is near and dear to you. Your first love, Vesper, dead because of me. Uh, yeah. The girl, er, um, you're, you're really, you know, the one you called mother dead because of me your parents dead because of you're dead because of me i mean he was the reason like james bond is who he is and it's it's just a it's this like arcing storyline that really makes you you know hate this guy now i like where the story's going i am excited to see the new film uh i'm glad that that blofeld's back because Blofeld was one of the greatest villains of all the Bond films in the original set. You know, he's he's wonderful. He makes his appear. I think he makes his appearance in like four different films or five different films. In fact, in one of them, uh, Blofeld is played by Bernard Lee, who is famous for playing M in the original first, you know, couple films. So, pretty cool. Pretty cool character. So yeah, my favorite villain is uh, is Blofeld. 
What about you? Uh, I mean, now that you say that one, and I think about it, like, it is pretty, I can just, his voice just kind of makes me irk a little bit, even just thinking about, thinking about oh, yeah. his voice and his delivery, those lines, and I think he did. He's so cold, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, God, what, I mean, what else is he, is he, uh play because I feel like he because I feel like he's one of those so he guys was, that that really that, the film that the film that brought him to light was Inglorious Bastards he okay, was the German yes. okay D- just what I was getting ready to say he always is that kind of he can't be any other oh, character yeah. than that kind of character no, no. like he's although he's that you, guy. Know, you know what I'd love to see him in I would love to see him in in um, uh, Mel Brooks the producers I think he'd be great in that yeah because I, th- I think he could be funny. Like, if you ever watch him as Christoph Waltz, uh, um, he's a funny guy. Like, he's a funny person. And he tells a lot of jokes when he's, like, promoting his films. But you're right. He's kind of known as the bad guy. He was also in Django. What the fuck did he, was he in Django? Unchained. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I do remember oh, him. He's the uh, plantation owner. Yeah. 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 Great film. Great film. Yeah. So look, I am excited to uh, to keep on this the James Bond series as we go forward. Um, we're gonna have a couple short pours coming up. Uh, we're gonna do some in betweens uh, as we go forward with this. We'll have uh, some of M's favorite drinks because I think we have actually two short pours dedicated to M because you can't have Bond without M. No, absolutely not. No, I'm, which is I'm, a which is a nod to. Uh, uh, Ian Fleming's commander uh, Ian Fleming by the way was an actual lieutenant in the British Navy uh, I'm sorry lieutenant commander in the British Navy he was an actual spy he was a real spy (laughs) when he was finished with his career he decided you know what I'm going to go and write stories now embellished quite a bit from his actual naval career but nevertheless he wrote stories based on that and created the James Bond character uh, so M is a nod to the kind of the commander that he reported to, uh, Sir Miles Messervy, and it's uh, it's a really cool character that when you when you read back to or going all the way back to um, I forget the name of the, the actual British uh, person. We stayed at the hotel in London where MI6 was first formed back in the 20s and back in the 1910s, and he would sign all of his uh, his correspondence C for his last name and so that's where you know the head the joint or the head of the MI6 would just sign with their letter as their signature so you know whatever and then um, it was basically their kind of their their note so that's where Ian Fleming got M from was uh, way back in the day from C which is funny because in Spectre, uh, I forget the guy's name, but whoever plays the bad guy in Sherlock, uh, the the bad guy in Spectre, he's he goes by C instead of M. When when James Bond's like, no, I think I'll call you C. I don't remember. Which yeah. he actually means for cunt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to I'm watch I'm gonna watch all of the Daniel Craig ones when Sydney goes to princesses in mid-February to gear up for oh. the new it's like that weekend she's gone I'm gonna make sure I watch every all those those Daniel Craig James Bonds just to catch 
to catch up. Like I said, I've seen them, but the newer ones, um, Spectre for sure, and uh, Skyfall. I don't, I don't know if I remember as much as Casino Royale. And, uh, Andrew Chronicles. Scott, that's it. So, Andrew Scott. He's uh, he was in the BBC sh- uh, series Sherlock. Okay. Yeah, he's the head of the Joint Intelligence Service, which basically he's kind of like the bad guy because he's working for he's working for um, Blofeld. Yeah, he's C. So nice little nod. Scott, um, love it. Give me your uh, give me your number on this. Oh, my number? Oh, it's it, it is what it always is. It's an eighty-eight. I love this one. I I rank it high because it's one I can't find on the regular and I just I enjoy it so much it was one of my very first drams of whiskey uh, I have a lot of sentimental value to it but it's also just a great clean easy drinking whiskey that you're not going to get uh, you know it's not high proof you're not going to get absolutely smashed off of two or three drams you're going to sit and drink you know three different you know three drams over the course of a couple hours you can sit with a bottle and watch an entire Bond movie which is two and a half hours and drink this and straight and you're going to have all your wits about you and ready to go on your secret mission so what's your number um man I'm I'm actually giving it a, a tad bit higher I'm going with the 90 me as well though mm. this is a um one of my first you know I, I can remember when I got into or before I even knew what I was doing got into got in, getting into scotch and, and cigars uh, probably 10 or so years ago this was one of the first bottles I picked up probably because um, I had learned the McAllen name from TV or somewhere or James Bond or whatever it was and then the only thing I could fucking afford was the 10 year um, so that's probably why I started with this but it definitely has that that same kind of um, connection being an early an early bottle that I owned and had in, in my possession um and yeah, I mean, it is a super easy drinker. We always talk about McAllen 12 being the gateway, you know, the gateway drug for, for scotch, neat. Um, but man, this one uh, had its place for a while um, as that that gateway, price point wise, and just super easy to drink. And you know, we didn't really talk a lot about the, the whole triple cask or the fine oak, you know, now is known as triple cask, but, right. um, but that whole process, um, adds to the complexity and, and taste of this relatively cheap and young for a scotch. Um, I mean, there's not a scotch in the market that I know of that's got less than a 10-year mark on it. That, that, that not calls, too many. That calls an a, age yeah. and is less than 10 years. There's, there's a lot of uh, no-age statements that are less than 10 years, but you're right. Uh, very few. I, coming to mind, Kalila 8... Lagavulin did an eight year, but those are those are Isla scotches that don't yeah. really see. You know, they don't need the age to make them good. They're, I mean, the, the reason they're young is because their flavor profile shines through at that perfect time. Right, the big single malts, mm-hmm. Glenlivet, Balvini, Glenfiddich. I mean, no, 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 they're minimum 10, 12. 10 to twelve. Well, none of them now Usually make 12. a. None of them. Make an age statement less than 12. Balvini, Glenlivet right. does not. Well, Glenfiddich does not. Glenlivet has a Founders Reserve non-age statement. Just like McCallum's right. double goal. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, 
you know, like I said, 10 year old is probably the youngest age statement at the time, and now there's there's nothing labeled uh, 10 year that I know of for sure. Yeah. Um, you know what? It, uh, I kind of as we as we finish up the scotch uh, and talk a little bit about Bond. Have you ever watched uh, Live and Let Die? And I feel you would love it because a lot of it takes place in Louisiana. Mm-mm. That would that one would be right up your alley. It's a good film. It's Roger Moore's first film as James Bond. Uh, Jane Seymour makes her I want to say her acting debut hmm. in in this, but man, she is gorgeous. I love Jane Seymour. So yeah. Uh, great, great conversation tonight. Great scotch, great whiskey. Really, two great bottles. It's, for starting on the quote-unquote bottom shelf here, these are amazing, amazing whiskeys. I mean, yeah, pretty much these are, like I said, cheap Jim Beam, cheap McAllen, but, mm-hmm. but both two very good numbers um, on here for sure. So, yeah, Scott, awesome, awesome yeah. picks. I can't wait to see what else we dig into uh, through this James Bond, James Bond series, um, and so much other cool stuff to talk about along the way. I mean, obviously, the gadgets and vehicles and clothing and oh, yeah. drinks and yeah, watches and cars and all oh, that we stuff. have plenty of short pours to get into all of the stuff on James Bond, especially uh, the gadgets. I mean, you, you can't you can't be a James Bond James Bond fan without without loving the cars and the gadgets and the watches. So. Um, I'm excited to see where you're right. I'm excited to see the the short pours that we have coming up the the series. A bunch of good bottles coming out. We're doing uh, next month is the Macallan uh, 12 series. We decided that would be a good series to do because there are three distinct uh, 12 year old casks. So there's the sherry cask, the double the double oak, which is uh, European and American oak, and then the new triple oak, which it's kind of like. It's really just basically an extra two years of this. So I'm excited to try the two of those together. That'll be our March episode. Yeah, that'll be... Well, the, you're talking about the three of those, right? We're going to hit all... Oh, yeah, the three of those. All, all three of those. So it'll be interesting so we'll have to, to see... So we'll have to see how that... Yeah, how that how that compares to... Uh, from the 10 to the 12. Yep. Pretty interesting. All right. Well, look. Until next time, or when we, uh, when we see you on the James Bond series... Uh, I want to say, Brant, may your time here be educational and, and enjoyable. So, if you came here to learn, drink what you learn. If you came here to share, share what you drink. If you came in here a stranger, may you exit a friend. If you came here for adventure, drink, drink up. up. Cheers, Cheers, everybody. everybody.